1: Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics
0: with a side of Latin flair.
2: Vices. I, I don't have to show you how to stinking vices.
0: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: All right, coming of this hour, welcome everybody, it's Chris Salcedo Show. Coming up this hour, I want to talk a little bit about what I think all of these protests are about. And it's of course, it's to damage President Trump to delegitimize his his presidency. But what I, I think that they're after, and this is the Deborah Messings of the world, because, you know, she's paying attention. She sees the left wing politicians and uh, they're, they're trying to they're, there's they're, they know they're convinced there's something inside of those tax returns. That's why Trump doesn't want them seen. And one of the things that I believe they think is in there is connections to Russia. So we will talk about all of this uh, during the course of this hour. But I wanted to start off a little bit about, well, whoa, hello. Pop-up ads from Rasmussen Reports, ladies and gentlemen, and just right there in your face. Oh, Good grief. Can't even, you can't pull up anything these days on the Internet without uh, getting blasted by something. Anyway, uh, Anyway, Rasmussen Reports today. President Donald Trump, his approval rating is up to fifty percent, and this this kind of goes hand in glove with what we were talking about earlier, with uh, what's his name, Dan Rather, Dan Rather saying, "Well, uh, courage, um, and courage, and it does it takes more than uh, than missiles to make one presidential." Well, yes, that's true, but it, it also Uh, What we were doing wasn't exactly working well either, Mr. Rather. Uh, As Chris Anlow was reporting on The Blaze, two ex-Obama officials skewering their former boss, his inaction left a more dangerous world. Where was the criticism, by Dan Rather, of the inaction of the former occupier of the Oval Office? Frankly, I think his inaction, his timidity, wasn't very presidential either. I mean, where is it said that to be presidential you must uh, work against the best interests of the United States? Our, Our policies toward our major adversaries around the planet, it cannot be said those were to our advantage. As a matter of fact, they were to our disadvantage. I mean, take your geopolitical adversary of choice, Iran, resident Obama bent this country over to accommodate the number one state sponsor of terror with billions of taxpayer dollars and also paving the way for a nuclear weapon for the number one state sponsor of terror within a decade that was not to America's advantage thus I would say to Dan rather that's not at all presidential what about with China they've Despite the softening of the Trump administration, they've been a currency manipulator, still are. China has militarized the South China Sea. China practices military drills, sinking American aircraft carriers. China is an adversary. An adversary that wants to be a success, an adversary that wants to make money, sure, um, but still an adversary. How was Barack Obama sitting back and doing nothing to challenge China? How was that presidential? Russia. I mean, Barack Obama came in wanting to push the reset button with Russia. Little did we know that that surrender button was basically it triggered a little white flag. That's all Barack Obama did through his occupation of the Oval Office. You know who brought this up? Let me before I before I bring this up, uh, let me read a little of. Chris Enlow's piece. Two men who served as top foreign policy advisors for resident Obama are speaking out against their former boss, who they say made the world a more dangerous place. Barry Pavel, who sat on Obama's National Security Council from 2008 to 2010 as senior director for defense policy and strategy, told Fox News recently that Obama's inaction in Syria was a major mistake. Pavel was referring to Obama's decision to not enforce his red line. So uh, I think a great case can be made that the the, the person who was not acting presidential was President Obama, unless, unless you're a left winger, unless you're a committed leftist like Dan Rather, who believes that it's in America's best interest to not be the number one superpower, not be the leader on the foreign stage, unless... Uh, you think we've had it too good for too long and need to be brought down a couple of pegs. Unless you look at economic concerns as a zero-sum game, like many leftists, like Dan Rather do. There is a piece, I'm going to read, the, before I read the title, I'm going to read the substance of it. The circumstantial evidence is mounting that the Kremlin succeeded in infiltrating the U.S. government at the highest levels. Now, this might be a message to Dan Rather and to Deborah Messing. Have a listen, ladies. (laughs) Sorry. Couldn't resist. Have a listen, ladies. The circumstantial evidence is mounting that the Kremlin succeeded in infiltrating the U.S. government at the highest levels. Oh, they must be salivating at this. Uh, Dan Rather and... Those in the basket of biased press and Deborah Messing? How else do you explain a newly elected president looking the other way after an act of Russian aggression? Agreeing to a farcical one sided nuclear deal, mercilessly mocking the idea that Russia represents our foremost geopolitical foe, accommodating the illicit nuclear ambitions of a Russian ally, welcoming a Russian foothold in the Middle East, refusing to provide arms to a sovereign country invaded by Russia, diminishing our defenses, and pursuing a Moscow-friendly policy of hostility to fossil fuels. Now, on that last point, what, what could the author of this piece mean? A Moscow-friendly hostility to fossil fuels. Well, it would seem this president uh, wanted to uh, make oil rare thus driving up the costs of oil. Now, it didn't succeed because of a lot of domestic oil producers on private land. They didn't have a say from what, or didn't have a uh, concern about what government said about it. But there were attempts made. But if you're to listen to all of this, you, you all might be thinking, well, hey, the case is made. This president who did all of those things must be a stooge for Vladimir Putin. I mean, why else would an idiot make these kinds of moves? Now, before Deborah Messing and Dan Rather get too hot and bothered about this, none of this was Donald Trump. This was all President Obama. President Obama did these things to the point to where he mocked and we, I gotta, I've got to give a hat tip to, to Rich Lowry, who wrote this. Uh, I'm reading it from the New York Post, but it was, it was uh, syndicated many places. Turns out Obama was the real Russian stooge. And he was. Can any of you think of a time when President Obama, during his occupation of the Oval Office, stood up to oppose Vladimir Putin? Think about it. We've been saying these things, well, since this whole Russian narrative was being crafted. But we have to give a hat tip and a thank you to Rich Lowry for actually writing it down. And actually putting putting it in in somewhat of a, a, not a chronology, but somewhat of a laundry list. And then just masking who was doing it. in the opening stanzas of his piece. It reminds me, if you were to hit the road and say, "Hey, and let's talk about the president," okay, go go to Berkeley. By the way, did you guys see the uh, the the violence out there over Easter weekend? A bunch of Trump supporters got out there were beaten up by a bunch of uh, Deborah Messing uh, leftists, Dan Rather leftists. Anyhow, um, imagine going on the streets and. And putting all of these things, not just basically saying, can you believe what this president did? And you go down the whole list, and they go, yeah, yeah, hate Trump, hate Trump, yeah. And then you spring it on them. Oh, by the way, this wasn't Trump. Resident Obama did all this. And they go, what? What? I mean, Deborah Messing would probably go, what? Come on. Hell, Dan Rather, who's supposed to be a, a news guy, would go, come on, when, when did all of this stuff happen? It, it shows you, folks, all of this criticism of the president, at least this particular line of criticism, the Russia thing and, and the taxes, this, this is all partisan garbage. It's all partisan garbage being echoed by a, a press... That is, well, it's not a press. They're not journalists. They're actually sycophants and left-wing biased sycophants. And they're all too willing to advance these narratives so they can have a political victory. And that's all. And you know what? They're really doing a disservice, and this is probably the silver lining to it. They're doing a disservice to the Democrats because the Democrats are out there thinking, hey, we didn't do anything wrong. You know, we weren't rejected. It was just, uh, you know, it was just the Russians. Yeah, I don't think so. All right, telephone number 888 933 nine hundred three three nine three. Back in a minute, the Chris Salcedo Show, right here on The Blaze.
0: It's your radio republic. Be heard. 888 3393 This is the Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze. On The Blaze Radio Network. <laughs> This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: All right, welcome back, everybody. I, I wanted to uh, continue to talk a little bit about some of the hot spots around the globe. Now, look, I know Dan Rather and, and Deborah Messing want to continue to have conversations about, about uh, Trump's tax returns. But uh, I'd rather have conversations about the abuses of tax policy. I'd rather, have a con- I'd rather see you know, real Americans out on the streets demanding that Lois Lerner be brought to justice. GOP wants Trump to reopen the criminal probe into ex-IRS exec Lois Lerner. This, this arrogant liberal never received justice for doing what she did and never saw fit to apologize to her fellow Americans for her abuse. Two top Republicans asked the Justice Department last Wednesday to take a look at the evidence against former IRS senior executive Lois Lerner to see whether charges should still be brought against her for targeting Tea Party groups and losing key evidence in the case. Losing, quote unquote, losing key evidence. Many of us believe that justice was not done with Lois Lerner in this case. That the review by the Obama administration, as is most of what happened during the Obama administration, was a lie. Another in a long series of lies. And now that we have someone actually committed to the rule of law, someone actually committed to making sure that being a left-winger doesn't insulate you from having to obey the law, that she gets her just deserts. Ms. Lerner was cleared after, and I'm going to make air quotes with my fingers, folks, an investigation by the Obama administration, but Representatives Kevin Brady of Texas and Peter Roskam, respectively the chairman of Ways and Means and the panels on tax policy subcommittee, they said there are plenty of questions with how, how, how that probe was run and said that a new look at the Trump administration's Justice Department is warranted. Taxpayers deserve to know that the DOJ's Previous evaluation was not tainted by politics. Well, we all know it was. We all know it was. It, everything in the Obama administration was political. Right down to national security, it was all political. So you've got that. And remember I told you uh, uh, earlier about this Rasmussen uh, presidential daily tracking poll. Trump's at 50%. After after taking decisive action and, and reminding uh, citizens. I took a call earlier today from folks who say... You know what, I, I feel safer than I have in years. I don't feel that my, I feel my government's protecting me again. The same sentiment works because we, we've often said that during the era of Obama, the American government was made the enemy of the American people by President Obama and his Democrats. And there's another Rasmussen poll where many voters... National Telephone Survey, online survey finds that... Uh, Drowning is silent? Sorry, another pop-up ad. Rasmussen, you're killing me, Smalls. Uh, New Rasmussen Report. National Telephone and online survey finds that 45% of likely U.S. voters have at least or somewhat favorable impression of the IRS. That includes only 10% with a very... Only 10% have a very favorable view of the IRS, and those are committed left-wingers 49% view the federal agency unfavorably many have a question of trust inside in this institution why because it was set up as a political apparatus for President Obama to punish which remember we told you earlier that's what the tax code is used for by liberals to punish those who don't fall in line And that is precisely why so many liberals are object to getting it under control. They kind of like the carve-outs. They kind of like the cronyism. They kind of like being able to find somebody at fault for not being able to, to violate the tax code. It gives leftists, when they're in power, a lot of flexibility. Um, there was a tweet that was put out by a guy named Craig Casaltera. Do you guys know him? Uh, Calciterra? Calciterra? He is a lead baseball writer for NBC Sports. He claimed that an image of the American flag that was being demonstrated, you guys know what they do at sporting events these days. That a massive flag, sometimes as big as the field, is rolled out. And it's, you know, during the national anthem, so people can sing our nation's anthem and see the nation's flag. Well, this sports writer, of course, over at NBC, said, you know, let me find the exact tweet. Will you keep politics out of sports, please? We like sports to be politics-free. The tweet read, well, since when? That's all you find on ESPN. There's nothing but sports, uh, sports left-wing politics. Left-wing politics has infiltrated the sports media every bit as much as it has sports. Colin Kaepernick just spent an entire flipping season on his knee during the national anthem in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. But about the substance of Craig Calcaterra's tweet, I think he was right. That he took, as a liberal, he took offense at that flag. Why would I want to see a symbol of conservatism? Why would I want to see a symbol of pro-Americanism out there on that on that field? I'm a liberal. I don't want your politics. In my face, in my sporting event. I don't want to be reminded of you conservatives. I don't want to be reminded of you pro American douchebags, says Mr. Calcetera. I'll, um, I got more to add to this and my own personal experience and news with this coming up next. 888 900 3393.
0: The Chris Salcedo Show
2: on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: we are listening to the Latino conservative Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: All right, we'll get to uh, to the rest of uh, the weekend's goings on, in particular where some are calling what Trump is doing in a an about face or a, a flip flop. I have a different take, and it's kind of an extension of where we were at last week on this. But uh, well, I'll, I'll get into it in greater detail here in a second. Back to uh, Craig Calcaterra's tweet uh he he defended his ludicrous position by saying sometimes uh, people often wrap themselves in the flag in order to achieve political ends that's not what the hell was going on on the baseball diamond it was patriotism it was a recognition that we're able to spend billions upon billions of dollars on at the end of the day frivolous sporting events for our entertainment in because of that flag and what it represents. Nobody was wrapping themselves in the flag by having the flag being displayed proudly on the field. And, I mean, I, I know what he's talking about when he says people are wrapping themselves in the flag. You know, what's her name? Uh, Deborah Messling was doing that this weekend. Ashley Judd does that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, d- dissenting speech is American, which I guess it, it, it really is. But rational dissenting speech, I think, is is more American than irrational speech. But at any rate, what was going on here was just a, a recognition that our liberties and our freedoms and the greatness of this country that allow us to devote time to the so-called national pastime. Baseball. It's American as apple pie, right? Baseball. And then Craig Calcaterra of NBC Sports finds it offensive. Finds it political. This reminds me. I, I rem, I'll never forget this experience. Maybe I've told you guys this, this story on the air before, but I was in news and when we went into war in Iraq, I started wearing a flag lapel pin, uh, basically showing my solidarity with those who were putting themselves into harm's way. And I had it on for years before I got to a new station and the assistant news director came up to me and said, hey, I notice you're wearing a flag pin. I said, Yeah. Well, aren't you afraid somebody's going to think you're a Republican? That was the question. I'll never forget it. And that's what, that's what Calcetara is admitting here. Is that the flag, there's only one political party that reveres the flag. There's only one ideology that stands for what that flag stands for. It ain't liberals. It ain't the Democrats. And he's a... And he sees Republican when he sees the flag. He sees conservatism when he sees the flag. He doesn't identify with it. He doesn't identify with all this liberty and freedom stuff. Because he's a liberal. Just like a lot of the other folks who walk around the hallways of NBC News. Liberals. They find the flag offensive because of what it stands for. A bunch of people who want to be left alone, a government of, by, and for the people. A people that, be, that who believe they should tell the government what to do, not the other way around. And Craig here, of NBC Sports, finds it offensive. The whole notion, everything behind it, he sees it as offensive. Don't make my sporting events political. Get the American flag out of here. I I say we get guys like you out of here, Craig. You know, I I you, you you don't you find the American flag so offensive? Great, babe. Go go live in Cuba. They got baseball there. Go live in China. They got they got baseball in China? Is that allowed? I don't think so. They got they have some sports and go go do that in China. See how that goes for you. So anyhow, um I thought that was quite telling. And, again, I had a personal experience with leftists who think just like this. They think just like it. That, um, And you know what? I tend to agree. I agree. That flag is conservative. That flag is, has more in, in common with the stated positions of Republicans than of any Democrat, than of any, certainly of any liberal. Chief among the flag is being pro-American and of course, Mr. Uh, Craig Calcaterra's ilk can't, can't get behind that, can they? No, they can't. Fox News uh, Sunday was asking uh, Michael Needham from Heritage Action about Trump and his alleged about face on Russia and China. And of course, it would help if I actually turned up the volume on this so you could actually hear it, because it sounded pretty good to me.
3: Michael, what do you make of this dramatic shift this week away from Putin and towards Chinese President Xi? I thought the most interesting contrast was between Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov and actually Rex Tillerson, uh, who was over in Russia. He was cool. He was calm. He was firm. And I think the Trump administration is developing a very uh, clear-eyed view of what the Russians are. They're a a strategic adversary of the United States. Vladimir Putin is a former KGB thug who's trying to relive those glory days. And because Russia hasn't fully integrated into the global marketplace, it is very much a zero-sum relationship between the United States and Russia. That's different from China. There are opportunities with China for us to form a strategic partnership. We shouldn't mistake that without also recognizing that China's also a competitor. Um, and as we look at China, we look at things they can do with us in North Korea, uh, we don't have to be enemies with China, but we also can't be friends as long as they Continue to steal our intellectual property as long as they continue to take advantage of our trade agreements and express uh, real military aggression in the South China Sea.
2: And I don't, I don't think that this is necessarily. um, uh, This isn't necessarily a bad thing. Now, I, I like many conservatives and others who are leery of the communists over in China, what they're doing in the South China Sea what they're doing with our, as Mr. Needham pointed out, with our intellectual property. Uh, We can't call them friends. But they're a heck of a lot more of a strategic partner than Russia is. Russia has undertaken the stance of actively undermining and uh, acting to the, well, against the best interests of the United States. They... They are, they are actively seeking to harm the United States. So, and, and remember where we were. It was just the opposite during the campaign. You had Donald Trump out there saying, you know, it'd be great. It'd be great to get along with Russia. Wouldn't it be great to get along with Russia? Wouldn't it be great? Well, yeah, of course it would be. That was his stance there. And with China, it was, well, these communists are manipulating their currency, which they are. They're currency manipulator, despite Trump's softening on this. They still are. And the reason why he's softening is because he needs them to get to work on North Korea. They may do so with a, an American aircraft carrier group sitting in their backyard. They may. We'll see. Uh, their militariza- militarization of the South China Sea. That can't be allowed to stand. I don't care how much goodwill with Beijing... Mr. Trump wants to foster. The militarization of the Woody Islands cannot be allowed. We cannot allow that to stand. uh, Judging the current political climate, it just may, but in my view, no. That's also on the table as far as uh, bargaining with the United States. But Trump, once he got in, realizing and and getting, getting privy to a lot of the stuff that Obama was seeing, And not acting on. Before I leave that point, consider this. Donald Trump got in, started getting these intelligence briefings, started to understand the nature of what Russia has been doing and what China has been doing and said, well, you know, see, we have a, a greater political chance with China. He has made this calculation rather than Russia, because Russia just seems hell-bent on harming the United States. So, Obama had this same information and chose not to act. He chose not to act. Of course, that was, his, that was the hallmark of his entire occupation of the Oval Office. All off and wrong Obama, never acting. Never act in America's best interests. That was against his credo. That was against his mantra. That was against his, his leanings, his ideological leanings. He, Mr. Obama was inherently anti-American. And he proved it over and over and over again throughout his years of occupation of the Oval Office. So at any rate, I think I, I find it, I don't find it concerning at all that Donald Trump has said, well, you know what? I've got new information, and I'm going to act accordingly. I've got new, uh, a new perspective, because no occupant in the Oval Office walks in there and says, oh, yeah, this is exactly the way I thought it was going to be. No, just, just the opposite. They get in there, and they go, oh, well, man, this, this, this is where it all gets real. And it got real, real fast for Donald Trump. But I think it's important that once it got real, this president acted where the last occupier of the Oval Office sat on his hands and didn't do a thing. And Mr. Obama knew that his indifference would not only make the world, as the Blaze reported on, make the world a less safe place, but it would also, his inaction would also harm America. And Barack Obama was gleeful happy to do it, to do nothing. And then to add insult, to, inju- uh, to injury to the American people, Mr. Obama actively aided our enemies, our declared enemies. So, uh, and, and that's the history. That 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 is where we have been. Nobody, nobody within the sound of my voice can sit and say, well, you know... Um, uh, Iran, yeah, they, they could be our pals. I mean, they, they've done some good things for us. Tell me when. Tell me when. 888 thirty three ninety three eight 3393 We'll put a wrap on the show coming up next on The Blaze.
0: Dismantling liberal ideology, one issue at a time. This is The Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Conservative
4: talk radio with Spice. Chris, celebrations marking the anniversary of the birth date of the founder of this country ended with a dud this weekend. Sunday morning, North Korea time. A missile blew up at launching. This according to U.S. and South Korean authorities.
2: That's Fox News reporting on, uh, well, it was the celebration for most of us of the Prince of Peace uh, but over in North Korea, they celebrate, oh, by the way, the, the triumph over death of the Prince of Peace, uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, for most of the, the most of Christendom. And then over in North Korea, though, it was a celebration of the uh, uh, Kim Jong-un's ascension to the leadership and uh, his oppression and dictatorship of the North Korean people. They were celebrating this garbage with a whole bunch of what some speculate were things that looked kind of scary, but really were not, uh, didn't have much technical capability, but there's enough prowess there being exhibited by the North Koreans that has the attention of, of Donald Trump and his administration. Again, I pivot back that President Obama had this same intel. President Obama knew how close... Pyongyang was to an ICBM capable of hitting the United States and he did nothing waiting for the grown-ups to get into office. So here, speaking of people who are not grown-up, a Kim Jong-un fires off, who who John McCain calls the crazy fat kid, fires off a missile and it fizzles but they still learn with every with every test that fails, they learn an awful lot. Some speculated it was it was hacked
4: now, just a couple hours prior to that, we watched dozens of missiles on parade here in Pyongyang, including a medium range solid fuel missile, which could have been the type used in that launch on the east coast of the country.
2: Anybody else find it odd that Western journalists were invited over to Pyongyang and to witness to witness all of these goings on I can't recall Western journalists being invited in during the entire Obama administration, but they wanted to have these Western journalists there in case Donald Trump got a little itchy on the on the trigger finger, and they wanted to to give a show of force and let the Western world know what they were up against. If
4: successful, it would have threatened the U.S. ally Japan, as well as some 35,000 U.S. service members there. Now, there is some speculation that the missile was a victim of a U.S. cyber attack. It has been done in the past. But there's also failures. Now, the regime of Kim Jong-un has still had no comment regarding the launch or the failure. One official here admitted to me a short while ago, however, these kinds of mistakes can happen.
2: <laughs> and often do in a communist country. All right. Well, just just keep an eye on what Donald Trump does, folks. I, I know enough to know that Kim Jong-un is very concerned. This is the first time he's had to deal with a grown-up in Washington, D.C., leading the White House. So, dictators tend to get edgy when that kind of thing happens. Remember, everybody, society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by an out-of-control government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a great day, folks.
0: The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network.